Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to leverage your real estate business to travel the world. My guest in this episode is J. Thomas Martin. After Jay got out of jail for selling cocaine at 19, he made the decision that he would find a legal way to make good money and live the life he always dreamed of. After going back to college and eventually graduating with a degree in economics and a minor in finance, he ended up working in bank regulation during the financial crisis. Jay learned two very important lessons along the way. He loved traveling on his limited vacation time, and real estate could be a very lucrative field. He then made two decisions. He would quit his job to travel the world full-time and would use real estate as a vehicle to help him do that. I am super excited to get into this episode with Jay Thomas Martin. If you've not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, I totally would recommend that. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time. What I've learned from interviewing over 550 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platforms. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. You can also join us on Facebook by searching Cashflow Ninja Community on Facebook. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, MC. Yeah, so great to connect again. Had a blast hanging out and seeing you at the Mid-Atlantic Summit here in Philadelphia. It was the first time yeah. that we met and what, what, what a great time. It was a blast. I love Dave Van Horn's event every year. Um, I think I'm going to have him out at mine again in uh, February. Yeah, fantastic. And you are right now at the time of recording. Where do you find yourself? What tropical paradise are you speaking <laughs> to us from? I am in Medellin, Colombia. Um, so I've been here two times already, spent maybe about two months here, but it's one of my favorite spots uh, around with Chiang Mai and some stuff in Thailand. Fantastic. What are some of the stuff that you're going to get up to down there? There's a few things that I always love doing. Um, I'm actually down with a friend visiting. So going to Guatape, which is these beautiful lakes and a huge rock to climb up. 
Uh, I think I'm going to go paragliding over the valley here, which is really beautiful. Um, I've done it in the uh, Canary Islands before. And um, just visiting some of the neighborhoods, hanging out, uh, you know, some food, some drink, hanging out with some other nomads and some other real estate investors actually that live here remotely. Oh, fantastic. Well, we'll yeah. definitely, we're definitely going to jump into that. For folks not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them? Absolutely. Um, so I grew up in California. I actually, my biggest challenge that I started with is um, that I created myself actually was I got busted for selling cocaine when I was 19. So I went to jail for a few months and got out, decided I needed to find something legal that could make money, um, ended up going back to school and worked in bank regulation. Um, so we would go to banks and look at their real estate loans during the financial crisis. And so that really was my introduction to real estate and kind of how I got from point A to point B and being interested, um, I saw a lot of people lose a lot of money and then some people picking up those pieces. And I thought, hey, maybe I can do that too. Um, so that was kind of the, the brief intro of how I got from kind of the struggles to at least getting started into real estate. Wow. So yeah. quite, a, quite an adventure and quite a story just right there. So obviously there, you, you got busted at that stage for selling, selling cocaine entrepreneur, mm -hmm. entrepreneur from a young, very young <laughs> age, right? And I'm yep. sure there's lessons that you took away from that because there, it has to do, it, 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 it is a business. And then you, you see the real estate world and what you've probably seen in your world uh, previously to that, getting into trouble, it almost must've scared you just as much and said, boy, these guys are even, you know, doing worse things to a lot more people than were folks that in the other, other world, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all how the laws are written. Um, but it was, you know, obviously a really interesting time. And again, you know, um, it was fortunate being in bank regulation. We actually got to see their, you know, their cash flow statements, schedule E's, um, really get an inside look at what's going on. And it was scary seeing people lose a lot. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know, you could see how people were making a lot of money picking things up at that point in time. Um, so I kind of at that point in time, the big thing that happened is another person in bank regulation introduced me to biggerpockets.com, which I always love to give them a shout out because they've been such a great resource for networking in the real estate world. Um, yep. And eventually started going to meetups. And that's when I changed from, hey, maybe I'll buy a condo to buying my first uh, fourplex with an FHA loan. And then went on to buy three other properties, 50-50 uh, partnerships with other folks putting very, very, very little down and doing cash out refis, borrowing more money and positioning that way. So that was kind of how I got pointed at real estate versus actually getting started with those first few transactions. Great. And I think this is a perfect case a study for, for people because we hear, you know, there's a lot of our listeners that, that reach out to us and say, MC, I've, I've read all these books. <laughs> I've listened to the shows. What do I do? Well, you actually have to go and do something. Go do and the, first <laughs> the first place to start is go to meetups and meet great people um, that you eventually partner with and do some, some deals with, right? Absolutely. Um, it's really what changed my life. I would always say everyone, number one thing that I either regret or recommend, um, you know, in my own life versus what I recommend is always just go network, network, network. Um, there's so many benefits that come from it. I mean, if you get one great idea or meet one great person, all that time, energy, money, whatever it is, is worth it. Um, it changed. I wouldn't be sitting in Medellin today and, you know, traveling the world around the world year round um, unless I had met these people. So that's really my number one 
thing that I love to share with everyone is just getting out there and meeting folks. If someone else can do it, you can do it. So if you hear about something good that seems like it fits with your lifestyle, that's, a, I think, a great way to get started, along with those FHA fourplexes are fantastic. Yeah, and also find someone that's doing something um, that what you're already doing. So, And there's a lot of folks that look up to you with a lot of the stuff that you've got going on. So we'll definitely uh, jump into that. I do want to talk a little bit before we get into some of the other things that, you, that you're doing that allows you to travel around the world, being an international man of mystery, I do want to talk about your wealth building philosophy and what wealth really means, because it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And of course, they live their lives based on the beliefs that they have around money and around wealth. Um, when you know, and, and that's that's kind of how they operate. So, if you don't mind sharing that with our with our listeners and our viewers. Yeah. Um, so wealth to me is a more broad, you know, than just financial wealth, I think. And for me, there's three core things that I do in my life that kind of, I guess, enrich me and, you know, make me feel wealthy. Um, so one of the things is I love traveling. Um, so I, I do that. I do it a lot right now. I don't have a permanent home uh, for the last few years. Um, number two, hanging out with friends, family. Um, so I do a lot of that when I'm back in the States and then I book bigger places internationally and I invite them to come out and, you know, visit and take a little trip, which has been really fun. And then number three is, um, volunteering, fundraising and mentoring. Uh, so I do a lot of volunteering basically wherever I go, uh, here I help teach English at the library, uh, in community 13 and, uh, fundraising, for example, at my summit, we try to raise a lot of money. So we've raised about 75,000 so far, um, for orphanages, overseas and for veterans in the U.S. for housing. And um, I've traveled to, I think, about 30 countries now. Um, so those, you know, part of the whole, those are, the, those are the three things that enrich me. Now I have financial things that support those things. Um, and I have other goals with my financial wealth um, longer term. So I don't know if I'm answering your question correctly, but to me, that's kind of the first part of the answer, at least. Um, oh, that's and then great. There's these financial things that I do to achieve those. Um, I actually, part of what, what I love, I was hanging out, I think it was with Kathy Fetke actually at one of these conferences recently and we were uh, having dinner or drinks or something. And she was like, you know, you're the wealthiest person in here. And I'm like, I definitely don't have the most money. And she's like, yeah, but you love, the, you know, you live the life you really love. And that's what's, you know, the real wealth. Um, and actually, which is the name of her uh, podcast, the real wealth network, because she talks about that real wealth. Um, so anyway, that's the first part. Um, financially, right now, I try to invest $100,000 a year in passive investments. Um, my longer-term goal is to be completely passive, so I'm trying to get out of, not get out of my regular businesses, but use that to invest long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to have enough passive income to live. I don't have any children, so I don't have anyone to pass that on to, at least as of now. Um, but I have a lot of charities that I enjoy supporting, and that wealth would probably go to them in the longer term. Uh, in all honesty, I'm probably not as ambitious as some folks. I'm not trying to build a, a $10 billion empire, uh, but I do want to live the life I want, you know, help out others in these various, you know, mentoring and fundraising, volunteering capacities, um, and, and share some of that with my friends and family uh, and people I, I meet along the way traveling. Great, great. And I, I love the framework that you put together because one of the things uh, that I've learned from you just, just being around you too is you're, you're intentional, uh, intentional about the life that you designed. You, know, you had a vision and said, this is what I want to do. These are the things that are important to me. Now, how do I build and create a life by design 
to allow me to achieve this? And how do I structure my businesses and my investments in such a way that I do get to live this this vision and this life that I that I envision, right? And yeah. um, th- that was the first thing. And um, the second thing too, too on that, uh, and to your point, and this this is what I see with a lot of folks too, and I, I would put myself in that in that boat too, where you have businesses, you, the goal is to keep increasing the passive income every year, and the way to ramp it up and really speed it up is that you have to have a driver, right? Of mm-hmm. still of income for that, and eventually mm-hmm. that changes. But it's 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 great to see that too, because I think it's a great lesson for a lot of our listeners, where they start with something like a side hustle that turns into a business. And then they're like, well, how do I stop doing this? Well, you can actually, the reason how you you get to stop doing that is by ramping that up and then investing passively with the additional income that, that, that you have. And that's one of the things that I'm, that I'm hearing that I'm seeing that you're doing too. Yeah, I love it. And, And just to kind of share how that got started, basically, you know, I was, I was working, um, I, I went on my first long trip and I was like, oh, I really want to do this. But, you know, I had so many limiting beliefs, to be honest, about what was possible, what could be done. You know, it's like everyone's like, oh, I would love to go, you know, just live a life traveling around the world 24-7. But I can't because of my family or I can't because of this or my boss would never let me or it's too risky to start a new business at this age or I don't have enough money. Right. There's a million excuses. Uh, one of my buddies here, Chad is a real estate investor, does flipping remotely in Kansas City, and he's got four children, and he lives in Medellin, Colombia. Um, so it took me a while, but I did my first, I rented out my first Airbnb, which was basically an extra bedroom bathroom with its own entrance. Started there, I had one. My buddy said, hey, you're spending so little time on this, and it's making you plenty of money, why don't you do more? So eventually I ramped up, I got two, I got three, and my first goal was just to be location independent. I was gonna do all the work myself, and just be traveling around the world. I thought that was great. Um, so I finally quit my job. I was doing that. I, I achieved the goal, right? Clapping, right. patting myself on the back. And then I go down to a trip um, in the Grand Canyon uh, to go with my sister to go camping. And I realized, shit, there's no internet down in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so I basically had to shut down my business. And that was the day when I realized, hey, I'm, I don't want just location independence to be working somewhere but my time independence where I don't actually have to do the work to make the revenue and the profit come in. And that's when I finally started getting systems and processes in place and hiring folks for my Airbnb business. Um, And we have 20 uh, apartments now, 21 maybe um, in the San Francisco Bay area on Airbnb that's managed by a team in the Philippines. So that's kind of how that, just as you said, right? You got to get that side hustle from one. So I quit my job at about seven units Yep. Um, and then I, I think I started hiring people around 10, around 15 units. I had a team hired in the Philippines with some pretty good processes and procedures written uh, so that I could take myself away from the business. And again, spend that, that time doing the things I wanted to do instead of spending all my day, you know, hustling, trying to drive the revenue and profit myself. Amazing. Amazing. So again, back to the, the process, you started in real estate, you found a community meetup, bigger pockets, right? Which I would recommend to everyone out there. Just amazing folks that I've met there. You took action. You start, you started buying some units. Then you started this, this business, this Airbnb business, and you got to a certain amount of units with cash flow. You quit your job after that. Then you started to scale it. Then you realized, and it's so funny because I can relate to this too. You realize at some point you're like, 
man, this is really awesome, but I'm working quite a lot right now. And that's totally yeah. not why I started doing this. <laughs> and then you build processes and systems and delegate it out to eventually unplug you out of, out of the entire business. Absolutely. And um, another thing I would emphasize besides networking is just getting on processes, written processes and procedures early on in a business when you're getting started. Um, it's much more difficult to kind of reverse engineer and write down all that stuff afterwards. Um, and it's a, it's a great way to be able to outsource things more easily early on. Um, it's actually a great book I'd recommend. It's called Work the System. I think the subtitle is something like How Most Business Owners Fail, Small Business Owners Fail. I forget the, the author, but I can look it up. Um, but anyway, I think it's just a great resource for anyone looking to get started on how do I get started on processes and procedures or what do I do or why are they important? All of that's in that book. It's a great resource. Yeah. Awesome. It's so important. I'm actually in, a pro in the process of re renewing a lot of processes or trying to make tweaks, but you can do that once they've written down, you've documented them, you go through the steps, and then you can ev evaluate where the bottlenecks are to try always improve on them. So it's a moving target, but you got to get started, right? Um, great stuff. Absolutely. One yeah. thing I wanted to throw out too, actually, is, you know, I have my virtual assistants. When something pops up and they don't know, they go look up the best way to do it, put together a little proposal, try it out. And if it works, then they update the processes and put it back in there. So you don't even necessarily have to refine everything, you know, constantly yourself, which is its own challenge. Um, but it's a great way to have a meeting. You can talk about strategy and then have them test out what works and refine the processes and written procedures from there. Because uh, it's always a burden, right, to do it ourselves. But Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a look, uh, about a couple of the systems and processes for the Airbnb business. So maybe if you could share a little bit of, uh, of information about the markets that you're in, why you're looking at specific markets, what markets are some of the markets that you would recommend you know, not staying away from, but it's probably not the best fit for certain business models. Um, if you mm -hmm. could talk a little bit about that for folks that are interested in starting a similar business. Absolutely. So the fundamentals of my business are it's Airbnb subleasing. So most of these 20 apartments are actually owned by other people. I sign a lease. I tell them exactly what I'm doing and I have the right to sublease it, put furniture inside and rent it on Airbnb and other furnished rental platforms. That's the foundation of the business. Um, I have a few folks in the Philippines. So again, there's 20, 21 of them maybe in the San Francisco Bay Area, a lot of them in Silicon Valley. And uh, again, my team is responsible for doing everything start to finish. Uh, the reason it works well there for me is because uh, there's a lot of dense population. There's a lot of jobs, hospitals, universities, um, and then we look near public transportation is always great in major metros, um, especially where there's a lot of people coming and going. Um, so types of jobs that have people, you know, doing work and this and that. We do some vacation rentals, but a lot of them are business travelers. Um, so that's what works for us. But there's people doing this with vacation rental homes, you know, with stuff in the suburbs. Um, I think there's a lot of different models that can work, but that's ours. We mostly have studios to two bedrooms. Um, I know people that are successful with four bedroom houses also, um, but they can, that's, that's our market. That's our model. That's why we like it. Um, so I know that was one part of the question. Um, how it operates basically and how our processes work is again, my, my people in the Philippines do everything except the cleaning are some local folks here. Um, so we have written processes and procedures for everything from what should be in a lease. What should we be looking for, for units that work well, 
um, how we go do comps and compare how much money we should be making, how we get it furnished, turning on the utilities, the internet, <laughs> um, everything through um, inquiries, setting pricing, what happens if there's a maintenance request? What questions do we ask them? Um, you know, all the way through checkout, communication, emails, etc. Basically, if there's a question that pops up from a guest or something that needs an action that needs to be taken, it's written down there somewhere. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So they're on, they're involved in all parts of the system. So they're looking at more places to find, knowing exactly what you're looking for and what areas close to tra transportation at a certain price point, so they can then reach out uh, to the property owners to start the negotiation for you. So in our case, so for my specific business, I've been working with property owners that I know from networking, actually. Okay. Um, I like it. They're kind of a known quantity. I know how they remodel their units. We have a level of trust. So that's what I've been doing. And then as those units become available, my team analyzes them. Now, I have some friends who do a similar business, and they just go on Craigslist, talk directly to the owners, pitch them on why it's you know they should be the person to get the unit and sublease for them. Um, and make the pitch just as you're saying. So we don't follow that specific approach, but it's something that works also. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and cell storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and Stealth Storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash Real Asset Investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. And benefits, of course, for the owner is, you know, you're going to take, they're going to get paid. Number one, the place is going to be professionally cleaned. You're going to take care of maintenance and, and so forth. Now, I'm not going to take care of all the maintenance. Generally, I want just a normal lease, which is, you know, the owner's responsible for, you know, maintenance items. I'm responsible for, you know, not messing up the interior of the unit and paying rent on time. Um, so okay. generally, the pitch, generally speaking, is basically it's like having free property management with guaranteed rent. That's the basics. <laughs> um, and, yep. and, and then... You're adding on these things like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I might pick up a little bit of maintenance. Um, it's going to be inspected regularly and cleaned regularly. 
you know, so it's not going to get, you know, put back all beat up. Um, I've been doing this under my name. So I've, you know, my own credit score, uh, you know, that's good and things like that. But that's the fundamental I would always say is free property management with guaranteed rent, you know, from a, a good tenant. And then you're going to have good tenants in there. So we actually have mostly business travelers and we have smaller places. So we're not hosting bachelor parties and things like that. Um, our average person stays for 57 days. Um, and a shocking statistic that someone just told me, actually, shout out to Al Williamson, who got me encouraged to get started on this. Um, he said something, it's like 30 something percent, about a third of stays, night stays in the United States um, are for durations of over 30 days. Oh, wow. It's surprising, right? Because there's so many That's, hotels. But if you look, yeah, if you look at all the did stay hotels opening up um, and, you know, all these other things and. Again, we fill 20 units with 90% occupancy, you know, year round on average from stays that are over 30 days primarily. Wow. And we're just one little, right? So anyway, just to throw that out for some of the folks that have short-term rental regulations, AKA Airbnb laws, um, there's still ways to make additional money from furnished rentals from different segments of the market. One question that I had for the, uh, from the markets, picking a market, maybe for listeners that are looking at markets in their neighborhood or in the areas that they're at, is the market that you're at, is at a pretty high price point, right? For housing yes. and for rentals and so forth. What is there some, some of the, I would say, is there some of the characteristics of a market being a high price point, a lower price point? Is there certain benefits to both uh, for example, can folks build a sustainable and good Airbnb business still in areas where the rental the rental costs might be a lot, lot lower? Yeah, I think, you know, it kind of depends on the area. I do know people that are successful in lower cost areas in general. Um, some of them do big vacation rentals where they can get a big nightly rate from having a lot of beds and a lot of families that are coming in. Um, okay. Some people just lower cost area, but in a downtown core where the hotel rates are high. So again, basically you're looking at the spread between, you know, what can be rented basically as a nightly rate or a monthly rate minus vacancy and expenses relative to the baseline cost of rent, right? Whether you own or you're subleasing or whatever. Um, so in cities where it tends to be cheap to rent an apartment, but expensive to stay in a long-term stay hotel, or a hotel, that's a good opportunity. Um, so one way just for example to do it is you can look up the base rents on you know Zillow or you know something easy like that with a heat map and then just go look at what hotel rates are, either extended stay or regular hotels and you start to get an idea of what kind of spreads are available. Um, for me personally, I like being higher price point areas in general uh, because then with a certain percentage net margin, I got a lot more overall dollars in my pocket. It's like, you know, would I rather go sell a thousand of something for a dollar a piece or one thing for a thousand dollars? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's very important to know because that'll tie into my next uh, question, but it's always important to know who you're serving. You know, the example of what is it? Uh, Nordstrom, you know, uh, Target and Walmart, right? They all sell shirts. They all make a lot of money selling shirts, but they know who they're selling shirts to. And it's a completely different market. Every single one of those. Yeah. And all of those can make money also, right? They're all profitable right. entities. It's just, yeah. you know, I happen, it's because I live there. I happen to know the market well. Um, but again, it can be, you know, my team's in the Philippines, I'm in Colombia and it's operating there. So there's, you know, there's nothing about a certain area. And I know people doing it in the lower cost areas also. 
Right. So it ties into my next question is the furniture, because that might be a question that the listeners would have about that. So you're taking over the lease, it's an apartment, and now you furnish it. Is there, you know, I'm sure you could rent furniture somewhere, but again, it ties into who you're serving. So at a higher price point, you might need some nicer furniture if somebody's going to stay there a little bit longer, as opposed to, you know, a beach shack where, you know, a bunch of guys come over for a surfing weekend, which is more for a holiday. Yeah, rental, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a great first point. You got to know your market, who you're serving. Now we're higher price point, but we're actually not like luxury in our market. So even though our price points seem high relative to the U S they're actually like our places, for example, in Mountain View and Silicon Valley have parquet wood floors, laminate countertops and white appliances for a one bedroom. We still charge $4,000 or more for a month in the summertime, but a luxury rental is seven or $8,000 for something like that a month. So we don't need luxury furniture for that customer, even though the price point seems high, maybe to some of the listeners, maybe not if you're in New York city, you know, Boston, San Francisco or Miami or something. Um, So we actually, I'm going to answer the furniture question real easy Everything is from Ikea, not the college section, but everything's from Ikea. And here's why. Uh, Number one, we're not serving a high enough price point that requires something else. Number two, everything for the entire apartment from the kitchen to the bathroom to the linens to everything can be purchased in one day. You can save everything you need in a list. It gets, you can print it out in order and someone can go pick it up. They're all in flat boxes that can be easily transported and go set it up and get it done in two days. Um, if you do shipping on Amazon or somewhere else or this or that, all the stuff comes at different times. You've got to store it somewhere. You've got to be there to inventory it. Um, so that's the reasoning behind what we do is the, the summarized answer. Yeah. Nice, easy system, like you said. And then there's folks obviously coming in and putting it all together. Yep. And again, it's, it's, it can be easily replicated too, because I used to have these lists saved on Amazon, but by the time we're buying a new stuff for a new apartment, this thing's no longer available. You know, this one's takes three weeks to ship and then we still got to have someone get them all. And then we're delayed by a week, which costs us another thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, so for us, it's just getting it, getting it done, having a replicatable system that can be performed, you know, over and over and that impacts our design to some extent. I'm not the best design person, to be honest, but this works for our customer base. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this business model that you've structured uh, through these systems and processes and the Airbnb business, for folks thinking of getting into this, what are some of the things that you would share saying, you got to be aware of this? It's great, but these are a couple of things that you have to look out for because th- these are some lessons I've learned and you know, here's some corrective actions that I could take or something that you could do to manage the risk, if you will. Yeah, here's a few things. Um, number one, short-term rental regulations. So like anything, understand the law where you're at. Um, again, they're all for 30 days or under. So if you want you know, to maybe do, you know, just look what it is. I don't recommend doing anything illegal. So if you want, you can do the 30 plus day business and you know, see how that works. Um, number two, I never do it in apartments that have HOAs. I should say condos. Um, or if you're in a, you know, HOA single family area or something like that, there's always a bunch of homeowners are going to complain. Um, even if you're not doing something technically wrong, it's still going to be a hassle. And so for the amount of profit relative to the amount of hassle, I just don't think it's worth it. 
So for things like that, I just try to cut it out. Um, number three, be careful of like party towns with big houses. So if you're like in Nashville and you want to do this with a six bedroom, you're going to have noise complaints. You're going to have incidences. Yep. It's one of the reasons I like business travelers. It's one of the reasons I like smaller apartments. Um, same thing with travel nurses, although travel nurses are kind of on the cheap side, but they stay for three months. They're busy. They're not partying. Um, so there's just a few things I would look out for is, you know, know the laws, um, you know, be careful about bigger places. Um, yeah. And parties. And um, yeah, I think that's at least a good place to good place to start to avoid and HOAs. That's great. And also be cognizant that this is still a real estate business is somewhat, you know, obviously you guys are do it through Airbnb and, you know, a couple of other furnished rental sites. So there's payments up front and so forth, but there's still other things that happen in real estate that's going to happen in this business. Yeah, I would say they're generally similar to a, you know, all the things you're going to experience as a normal landlord, typically, maybe in addition to a few things that are associated with, you know, the, having the furniture and people moving out in and out more often, you know, um, knock on wood, we haven't had any more stuff than a regular tenant. Um, but yeah, you know, things pop up, um, in some ways, you know, like Airbnb and some other sites actually have a, a insurance policy that mm -hmm. will cover you for many things, um, after you claim whatever may be on your own insurance policy. So anyway, that's just, and then there's other companies that will do other short-term rental insurance. So that's just kind of an FYI for some of the liability aspects too. But do your I own do. due diligence. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I always say, and I don't play one on YouTube either, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so and 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 so besides all of that, too, one of the things that I do like from uh, the ride sharing and this quote unquote sharing economy, house sharing, ride sharing, and so forth, is there's a lot of accountability with people writing each other you know, writing reviews back and forth. So that's the one thing that's kind of nice. So you feel that there's some level of accountability. And of course, depending on who you serve, you know, you were talking about business travelers too. It's a completely demographic than let's say, you know, people that vacation and, and so forth. But I kind of like that part of it too, that there's, there's kind of this little thing of accountability where folks know that, hey, actions have consequences. So throwing wild parties and trashing a house, well, guess what? You know, you're not going to be rated that favorably from the person that you rented from, right? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes that's not compelling enough to stop the, uh, the activity. So sometimes that's why I try to target, you know, different units. But anyway, it's just something to be aware of if you're moving into that segment of the market, right? The bigger Absolutely. the place, the more party-y the city or group travelers and stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah. Vegas and Nashville or New Orleans are my three probably top watch outs, but. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now you're a very happy guy. I mean, just the energy being, of, you know, it's privilege and honor to, to spend some time with you and be around you. Uh, there's a lot of success on the business side, personal side. What are some of the things that are working in your life and why do they work? I think, you know, the biggest thing for me besides, you know, getting into networking was uh, meeting folks in networking that kind of opened my eyes to what's possible. Um, so, so many people talk about mindset and limiting beliefs. I used to think it was kind of a bunch of, you know, BS. Um, but really, it's true that like the vast majority of people, especially if, you know, you're living in the U.S., um, can pretty much do whatever you want um, and make as much money as you want. Um, so, I think getting rid of those limiting beliefs is really what got me 
kind of, you know, to where I am today. And then, um, you know, number two is just taking action. Got to get started on something. This business did not start with, you know, me not doing anything, living remotely and making a bunch of money. It started with one unit, right? right. And then it went to two and then to three and five and hiring people and, you know, over a course of, you know, a year and some change, but. Yep. Yep. And you yeah. got to take that first step. I love what you said about limiting beliefs because, you know, I, I listened to a, a couple of folks that I follow and I just can't remember which person said this, but we're literally living in like a Star Trek world, right? Like Star Trek on the Starship Enterprise, they're going through space and there's like a telly screen popping up and they're talking back to each other through it. We are doing that right now and it's free. <laughs> you know, you and I, we have literally Star Trek technology. You and I are looking at each other through Zoom and it's like, and it's free. <laughs> so so the lo- whatever limiting belief that you have, if you can think of it in, in and and you can find your own thing. That's kind of like the thing that sometimes like, I'm just like, I'm, I've got Star Trek te- technology and it's free. Like nothing's <laughs> holding me back. Right. So, but it's so true. And, and when you get around people, even if you start to see relative success in whatever you're doing, that's the great thing about being around people like yourself and all the other folks, because, uh, you know, you, you're in the conversations and you just see, you know, sometimes how much bigger the other the people are thinking and what they're working on. And you're like, man, I didn't even think that was possible. But if you really break it down, yeah, that's totally possible. I want to do, you know, X, Y, Z next year. And sometimes it's like, wow, that's a lot. But if you really break it down in actual steps and over the course of the period of the year, it's totally doable. Absolutely. And, you know, to be honest, that's changed over my life. And this is like for a lot of people as they meet more folks or do more things and it opens up your mind more. Um, But, you know, like when I got out of jail, I didn't think I'd be able to find a job in an apartment. You know, now I don't need a job and I live wherever I want. and <laughs> don't have a permanent <laughs> home. Um, but I, I never even thought, yeah, I was going to be able to find a place to live in a job. And thing, you know, that benchmark kept getting pushed back. Right? I want to be location independent. And I was like, I don't really want to work. And now I'm like, well, basically I can do whatever. Um, but I wish I would have realized that sooner. And hopefully everyone else does realize that by hearing other folks that have you know, thought the same thing and maybe face some struggle. Like I didn't have any money either. You know, I have a felony yep. on my record. Yep. Um, you know, fortunately the banks don't care when you're borrowing. Um, so, and, and really it doesn't matter. You don't need the banks either, right? Cause if you have a good deal, you can get money. So really all of those excuses, you know, criminal background, having no money, whatever the situation is with the family, there's always someone that's had a, a bigger struggle that's done more. Um, yep. And hopefully we can look to those people as inspiration. Uh, which I do also. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful folks is that they're always studying and learning. Uh, What are you studying and learning right now? Yeah, actually, um, I would say what I've kind of been focusing more on is actually networking with some other um, folks in the nomad world, sort of, and figuring out what other people are doing, um, both for living, where they enjoy living, and on the investing side, um, speaking and networking and learning more with about other passive investors and investments. Um, awesome. So I've been do, doing basically some online research on and speaking with folks and kind of inventorying what's the best way to analyze some of these different types of passive investments, um, because that's something I'm trying to get more into. Um, so it's not necessarily a book, but a lot of um, one-on-one and online research and then talking to people, getting deal history, 
um, things of that nature is kind of drilling down on what I want to target. Awesome. Yeah. And that's a lot of time right there, right? Try speaking to a lot of folks, learning different things, finding the right operators. It's, it's, it's almost like a dating game. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't think they have a Tinder for that yet. Maybe that'll be no. the next new hot <laughs> to find the right sponsor, but hopefully there's more info than just the Tinder profile. <laughs> Absolutely. For my crew to help me with some of that stuff too. Um, but like many businesses, it's kind of an upfront effort at first. And then it can mm-hmm. be a little more autopilot typically as you know, as you get going. Absolutely. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Yeah, and actually, um, so I think the number one thing, uh, again, is helping others. It's one of the core foundation of what I believe in, um, you know, mentoring, fundraising, volunteering. There's a lot of different ways that you can help, whether you have the time, uh, the money, the resources, getting other people together. Um, you know, like, we again, we do at my event, just to get everyone together and help support others. Um, networking, I think, is huge. And actually, I should say the other one first. So living the life you want to live. And that doesn't mean being selfish and not treating others well and helping others, right? Because that's another foundation. Uh, But not, I think, being too concerned about just money or, you know, other people's perceptions or whatever those other things are, but really living the life you want to live and being happy. And I think networking as a third part is a huge part of that because it'll help you help others. Uh, You know, it'll help you mentor others and it'll help you live the life you want to live if you're surrounding yourself you know, with the people who are doing the things that you want to do and more successful in the things you want to do than you are. Um, so the helping others networking and, and combined with living the life you want to live is what I would pass on. Awesome. Where can folks uh, learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they stay up to date of all of, of the adventures, the international man of mystery? And where, <laughs> by the way, where can they also learn about your conference that's coming up in February? Absolutely. So the easiest spot to find me is on Instagram. I'm real estate nomad. So hopefully easy enough to remember as real.estate.nomad. I also, yeah, that summit is coming up. It's February 8th and 9th in Oakland, California. A lot of great folks from bigger pockets and around the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, It's www.sfbsummit.com. Um, you can probably find it through my Instagram too on the top of the thing. So you can check that out. Real estate nomad. Um, yeah. So that's where you can find me. And if you're in Medellin or in Mexico in December, Oh, I don't know if this is coming out in January. I'll be back in the Bay by then, uh, but I'll be <laughs> traveling around the world. So you can find me on Instagram. And if you're in the same country, I am feel free to reach out and say hello. Awesome. What other stops are uh, Colombia, Mexico, and what other stops before the new year? Um, a few different spots in Mexico, Mexico City, Oaxaca. We're going to go to the beach for Christmas and I think it's Zapolite and heading to Guatape tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, my friend, again, this has been a blast and an honor having you on the show and connecting again. So I'm ex- I always get excited when I talk to you. I'm excited now to jump in on all the stuff that I'm working on. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. It was a good time. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, 
but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.